Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. Today's episode is in partnership with the Michigan Irish Music Festival and their Hackley Hooley event on September 18th. For this partnership, we're going to be covering the history of the Irish here in Muskegon County. Now, probably the most famous Irishman that called Muskegon home was Thomas Hume. Since we know so much more of his story, we'll be discussing the life of Thomas Hume in another special podcast episode, so look out for that. Now, I would like to begin with some background on the Irish and why so many of them would come to the United States and Muskegon. Ireland, being an island, has always had those who set out to explore new places and to settle there. For those that came to the United States, the period between 1841 and 1851 was a major time of immigration to the United States. During this time, Ireland was under the rule of the British, who were Protestants. Many of those who lived in Ireland were Catholic, and they felt their religion under attack by the Protestants. Many of the Irish were also tenant farmers, renting out the land from wealthy landowners to farm it to make money to pay for the land and their families. However, a severe potato blight ruined many harvests, and the tenant farmers ended up not being able to pay and thus being kicked off the land. So, many had reasons to leave and look for more freedom and opportunity. Those who came to the United States found better opportunities, but not always a friendly welcome. The Irish were often thought of as a separate race, and their Catholic religion, while more accepted, was often in the minority. During the American Civil War, many Irish joined the military looking for advancement and respect from their new country. Following the Civil War, many Irish spread out throughout the United States looking for opportunities, and many would make their way to Muskegon. The earliest Irish settlers came in a trickle to Muskegon. It is possible that the first Irish person in Muskegon was a fur trader as part of a trading journey, but those records are not very detailed. However, by 1846, Patrick Blake is known to be in what is today's Muskegon County and is considered the first Irishman to arrive. Some of the next to arrive were the Garvey brothers, John and Dennis. The brothers were born in Tipperary, Ireland, and then came to the United States arriving in New York like many other Irish immigrants. From there, the brothers made their way to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where they caught a schooner across Lake Michigan to Muskegon, arriving in 1849. Now what exactly they hoped to find in Muskegon, or what they thought it was like, was certainly different from how we picture it today. At the time the brothers arrived, there were a few mills on the lake and around 20 shanties making up the town. The brothers struggled to find jobs here, but eventually got work in a mill. Saving their money, they managed to open a grocery store in 1864. They stayed in the grocery business for the next 36 years, doing pretty well for themselves. For many of the Irish to follow, jobs in lumber mills or lumber camps were the easiest found, and many an Irishman set out into the woods with a saw. Often at these camps, the men would speak the Irish language or speak with thick accents. They also brought their music, dance, songs, and stories to the camp and shared with their fellow workers. Besides work in the mills, Irish immigrants came to the area to farm or grow fruits, such as Samuel Torrens, who settled in Fruitport in the 1850s, and William J. Riley, who came in 1870. Areas like Montague and Whitehall also attracted many Irish settlers, including some famous names. Maurice Downey was born in Count Kerry, Ireland, and made his way to Montague, where he created a store that sold flour, fish, ice, and animal feed, among other products. James Dalton, who was born in Roscommon, Ireland, came with his family to the United States when he was a young boy. He began his career as a ship captain, making runs to Chicago. In 1858, he built a mill on White Lake. At the age of 21, he began a career in politics, being elected township supervisor of White River Township. He would eventually be elected to the state legislature in 1859. 
Many other Irishmen served in politics and government in Muskegon, including M. Wilson, who served as city treasurer in 1881 and 82, Major William Ryan, a Civil War veteran who served as sheriff and police justice, and James Sullivan, who arrived in Muskegon in 1881, where he trained to be a lawyer, served as a police justice, city attorney, and eventually as a circuit court judge. Another Irishman I'd like to point out is Patrick Goh, whom fellow Irishman Patrick Keaton described when talking about the city's Irish population as, quote, the city's most efficient police officer who was the terror of all thugs and lawbreakers, end quote. P.J. Connell, who came to the area via Grand Haven when he was only nine, will go on to bolster the Irish reputation. Connell was a builder and contractor who oversaw the construction of the Old Muskegon Courthouse, the Chase Piano Works, Alaska Refrigerator, Kelly Brothers, and Iron and Steelworks factories. He also did work on the Opera House and Occidental Hotel, which is quite the resume for a builder in Muskegon. As Patrick Keaton said at his speech for the Pioneer Society in the 1880s, quote, The pioneer Irishmen are rapidly passing away, but their descendants may feel proud of the work they have done to make Muskegon what it is today, end quote. Now, while the Irish certainly had an impact on Muskegon, they didn't make up as large a percentage of the population as you might imagine. Like many lumbering towns, Muskegon had a lot of immigrants who found work logging or in mills. However, numbers from the 1890s show us that other groups, such as the Dutch, Scandinavians, and Canadians, made up a higher percentage. In 1890, 4.7% of the population identified themselves as Irish-born. So of the 22,702 population, that means that Muskegon had only 1,067 Irish. In the 1890s, though, this small group had a lot of pride, and on St. Patrick's Day, they would often organize speeches and gatherings to tell stories of Ireland, sing traditional songs, and talk on the current political situation in Ireland. Those of Irish origin were easy to find as they wore green shamrocks on their coat collars, wearing green on St. Patrick's Day being a tradition we still follow today. In 1896, the celebration was held at St. Mary's Church in Muskegon to a large crowd of Irish men and women. During both world wars, there was much tension between the Irish in the United States and the United States, as the U.S. had allied with the Irish's hated enemy, the British. Nevertheless, the Irish in Muskegon reassured those here that they were true to the U.S. and its cause, even if it meant siding with the British. Temporarily, at least. Following the Second World War, those tensions decreased as the Irish and their culture became more assimilated into the United States' melting pot, so that today it's common to see just about everyone wearing a little green around March 17th. I will end our podcast episode today with a quote I discovered in my research from a St. Patrick's Day speech given by a Reverend Father McNamara in 1892. Quote, Irishmen here were exiles from their native land, but here they had found refuge, civil and religious liberty, and under the starry banner rights and privileges of men. They loved the flag of this country, had defended it, and were ready to do so again. And it was to them as dear as any man born under its folds. But they loved Ireland also, mourned for its miseries, its victims of British oppression, its famine-stricken sufferers, and the Irishmen's hearts were yet sad because Robert Emmett's epitaph was not yet written. He had asked almost with his dying breath that it not be written until Ireland was free, and it yet remained uncarved. Thank you for joining us today, and make sure to check out our episode on the Irishman Thomas Hume. <laughs>